Hello, everyone. Welcome to River City Media. Tonight, we are with a special guest, so I won't delay very much. We want to bring him on in, but first, let me welcome in co-host Phil Harris from a vacation. I mean, that's pulling duty, Phil. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to be on vacation. <clears throat> Somebody's got to do it, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I work today, but that's just me. Phil, we're lucky tonight, and we want to bring him in real flat, fast. ACC official Jeff Flanagan uh, has been an official from uh, several decades, and, and we're going to talk tonight to Jeff about his journey to the ACC. So let's bring him in. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Phil, I, I'm going to ask one question, then I'll come to you for some follow-up. Um <clears throat> From from there, but the the first question I promised mutual friend Frankie Culpepper, and he asked the question that I I think most people want to know: How do you become a college level Power Five uh, rep, Jeff? Yeah, it's uh, quite a journey, uh, but it all starts in high school, uh, and. Uh, I started in a local high school association, um, not only working high school ball, but I worked junior high, middle school, uh, excuse me, uh, JD, little league. Um, so a lot of time put in the, on that level. I worked um, 11 years down in Alabama, and then I moved to Chattanooga in 1990. And I got in with a local high school group here and uh, worked until until 96. Well, I met some guys in the Chattanooga Association who were already small college officials. They worked in the Southern Conference, and which is one AA, or what they call now the FCS level. And I got invited to do scrimmages at UTC. Chattanooga and I thought that was the biggest thrill ever was to get invited to work on college level just doing scrimmages and I did that for a few years um, and it, the journey kind of slowed down at that point trying as far as getting into college um, because there was there were several Southern Conference officials that lived here in Chattanooga and they try to keep uh, uh, officials from all around the other states in the conference and uh, about my fourth year around yeah, in 96 uh, they had some retirements they had some guys go to the SEC and so some slots opened in this area and I had kind of done my time as far as doing the scrimmages and proving that I could do it and I think that's part of it is, is networking with other officials and proving to them that you you have what it takes to succeed at doing this. And um, that's how it worked then. Um, there was like a requirement that you had anywhere from five to ten years of high school, and then it was good luck getting in in college ball. Um, it was kind of a, a break for me when I moved to Chattanooga because growing up in Alabama, at that time, the only schools in the in the state of Alabama were the SEC schools. Right. And getting in there, that was out of the question. 
you know, going from high school to SEC. And then, you know, now down there, they've got OBC, SEC, Conference USA, um, Division II. Um, they had the Gulf South back then. Um, but um, anyway, I uh, was asked to join to the um, to go to a scrimmage over at uh, Walford in South Carolina. And I was advised to go over there prepared and work hard for that scrimmage. And I got over there and there were like 30 officials there. And I was like, what am I doing here? I'm just, you know, one, one prospect. And I got out there and started working. And then all of a sudden, uh, a man walks up to me and taps me on the shoulder. <clears throat> His name is Don Lucas. He was my uh, supervisor of the Southern Conference at that time. And he said, I got some advice for you. I got two things. To, I got something to say to you. And I said, okay, I'm ready. He said, I'm taking you on the staff. And um, that was just, uh, I started to cry that day. Because it's a hard journey, you know, that many years, and working hard, traveling all over the, the southeast, uh, going to scrimmages, uh, traveling with other guys, building a lot of relationships, and networking with people. Uh, seeing people work hard and getting their heart broken and uh, other guys having success and uh, a lot of emotion in it and a lot of hard work that you don't normally hear about and um, great experience it, it sounds like it, it, it's ironic phil and i both started in radio in alabama um, what what part of the state were you in i'm tuscaloosa okay so yeah i'm uh, now i'm one of these guys uh not many of us. Uh, I grew up in Tuscaloosa, and I went. To, I graduated from the University of Alabama in business in ninety in eighty two, and then I turned around, and went back to pharmacy school, and uh, and graduated from Auburn in nineteen eighty nine. So I was asked to leave the state at that point. Yeah. So you are, you're you're yeah. a unicorn in that state. <laughs> so I ended up in Tennessee. And it's almost—it's difficult, you know. It's—it's a lot. You realize the rivalry between these teams when you do cross state lines and state. But but it's fun. It's great. I love living in this area. Actually, working in the ACC and living in this area is actually nice, you know. Yeah. Because I can actually go out to dinner and you know and not worry about my house getting burned down or something. (laughs) Yeah. But. uh, but anyway, uh, I worked in that Southern Conference for from '96 to 2001, and I had been doing SEC scrimmages primarily uh, while I was in the Southern Conference, trying to you know move up, advance my career. And um, the, SC, the ACC, I had some friends in the Southern Conference that were that had gone to the ACC, and they were kind of recruiting me to come there. And I had never worked in, I hadn't worked any scrimmages in the ACC, hadn't even really considered it. And all of a sudden, in 2000, they had like four very veteran referees to retire. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got asked to do a scrimmage at Clemson and a scrimmage at Duke. And I had, I was at Georgia on a Friday afternoon, had my kids there, my wife, and we packed up the car. I found in a hotel that had a swimming pool and took the kids up there. We drove up to North Carolina, and I left them there at the hotel. 
in the pool and I went to do a scrimmage at Duke and I walked on the field and my uh, former boss Tommy Hunt, he said, I'm taking you on the staff right here and there. And I was like, obviously y'all were very desperate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was another moment where I was just, I felt so blessed. You know, I just felt like all this hard work and, and I was like working that scrimmage. He, he told me that before the scrimmage didn't start and I was out there working the scrimmage with tears in my eyes. So I guess the, the point is it's a feeling, like, you know, a level of, uh, of uh, accomplishment, you know, setting goals for yourself and trying to achieve them. But the thing is, you don't achieve this thing. You know, you don't achieve those goals by yourself. Right. Lots of people help you. Lots of, you make a lot of friends along the way. And you, you have people who believe in you. And that's how you get there. You don't get there by yourself. And now in the ACC, as far as surviving as a referee, it's even more work. It's even harder. And, you know, what I tell young officials, every level that you advance to, from from middle school to high school varsity to Division II um, to 1AA to Power 5, the concentration level that's required from you from every game, every play is just incredible. It's more and more. And each year it's more. There's more and more on these games. Uh, so much riding on them. It means so much to so many people. It does. You have to be prepared. Yeah, if you, if you don't think people care about these games, even if you work a small college game, you screw something up. You will see how many people are connected to these players, the family members. Yeah. You know, how how much it means to people. You, you know, I, I, I did the Google search you and and Phil will come to you with the next question. I, I Jeff, I, in, in my preparation, you don't even realize how many times your name comes up on a message board here or there, and and and, and it's not always nice either. So you have to you have to be a little bit oblivious, I'm sure. Phil, uh, go ahead with a couple of questions, please. Well, Jeff, uh, you know one thing, you know. Uh, you know, I know you enjoy the game of football, but it's, it's, I know you have a job to do when you get to the stadium and you compare notes and you get ready for the job to do. But do y'all enjoy the game as much as everybody else does? You know, I heard back when uh, TBS was doing college football games, you know, they started the alert early games like in the South days. They started those early kickoff games, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I, I remember them talking about the, the, the announcers. Uh, oh, gosh, what was his name? I can't remember. But um, they were talking about the officials. And the color analyst was talking. He said, you know what? There's no bigger fans of these teams, these players, these coaches than these officials. And we are. We're the biggest fans these teams can have. And we want them all to have success. We want them all to succeed. We get to know them over the years. Um, you go to scrimmages. We do rules meetings with these teams. Uh, we interact with them. Um, yes, enjoying it is hard work. Uh, it It is frustrating at times. And if you mess something up, it takes, like, if I screw something up on a Saturday or get downgraded for something, it takes me till Wednesday to get myself mentally over it, you know? 
and getting ready for the next game. So yeah, it it, it but but all in all, it's fun. Uh, I think the, the preparation, the hard work that you put into it, the physical part of it, uh, the interactions you have on game day. If you can come through, if you can succeed, that pre- going through that pressure, that preparation, making it all come together as a crew and doing a good job, not being part of the game, not even being mentioned, that's a great feeling. It is great. Yeah, yeah, I definitely so. Because you know, anytime the referees are not involved in winning and losing a game, because that you know, of course, I'm sure that's your goal because you're there to make the game. Yeah, you're there to make the game fair for both sides. You're going to miss some. You know, of course, like like I tell everybody, I said if referees made as many mistakes as these kids do, then it would really be bad. I said so, but anytime they make a mistake, it is you know it is thrown out there. So they're under a lot of pressure. But you know, you know, Jeff, you know the biggest thing is personalities of coaches that you deal with. Give me a couple. Tell us a couple of things about personalities of coaches you just have a whole lot of fun with. Oh well, you know, coaches are under a lot of pressure, but. You know, somebody obvious like Bobby Bowden. He was you saw what you saw on TV is who he was. Mm. He would, he knew when you would get to the game. When I was even a rookie. Um, I didn't work Florida State when I was a rookie, but I remember early in my career, he knew everything about me. He knew where I was from. He knew where I went to school. Um, he endeared himself to me. Um, nice to be around. Uh, during a uh, uh, before the game, I always had a joke. Uh, just ask you to do the best you can. Let's have fun at this today. Um, I remember he came to Hicks in Tennessee, and I lived in Tennessee. He did a he spoke at a church there, and it was up on the billboard. And I saw it, and I went down and had a game. I said, "Coach, uh, you were in my neighborhood back in July," and he said, "I was at Central Baptist," and I said. Yes, sir. I said, I don't live too far from there. He said, Jeff, if I didn't know that, me and you would have had coffee. You know, and he meant it. <laughs> you know, you know he, was, he was just a good guy. Tank uh, Beamer, always a gentleman. Uh, had a lot of respect for what you did. Very, now these guys were intense, man. They were competitive. Uh, but they, they expected you, expected excellence from you. And they felt like, but a big part of it is your ability to communicate with them. And uh, they want to trust you, you know. They want to, they want you to succeed. Nobody wants anybody to fail in this business. And the most confident coaches of all uh, are the ones, actually, the guys that put you at ease the most. They're, they're so confident in their abilities and what they do. They, uh, they're not afraid to coach you up. Um, like you'll see, you'll see coaches getting on officials a lot. Well, the way I look at that, they're doing what they do. They coach, and players aren't doing what they, they feel like they should be doing. They coach them up. Same with officials; they coach us up. That's just what they do. Yeah, but uh, 
I am. I have the respect for almost every coach I've ever come in contact with. Um, I, I know what they do. Their journey is very similar to ours uh, in that they start out in small college. A lot of them start out in high school. Um, a lot of them are graduate assistants. And then they start a journey of coaching, cross, going through Division Two, one AA. And then they finally get their opportunity in Power Five. And you cross. Across paths with guys here in Chattanooga who started here, you know, making $20,000 a year. And they, next thing you know, they're in the Southern Conference staff. And then they're in the ACC or they're in the SEC staff. And they got their break and they worked for it and they earned it. Yeah. So the journey is the same. They have their own fraternity. We have our fraternity. We're, we're kind of like, we have working relationships, but we're friends. I understand. Yeah. Jeff, uh, I just want to make Phil, Phil, did we get you back in? He, we dropped him for a minute, Jeff. Phil, are you back in? Okay, Jeff, we'll go ahead with just me and you. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, the dirt, like I said, just the journey's the same. So we have instant respect for what you do. And, you know, the joke is, you know, where's the. Phil, is that you? I'm back. Yeah. Jeff? Y'all, we, we're suffering some technical difficulty. Um, let me uh, let me get Jeff back on the phone here and Phil back on the phone. Uh, Phil, are you with us? Everybody, we uh, technical difficulty. I hate this. Uh, we knew it was a possibility. Uh, linking two people together. Let's see if we've got Jeff did. We, we get you back on here. Yeah. All right. Ho hold on just a minute. We're going to join Phil. We dropped Phil at the okay. beach and we were, we were missing part of what you were saying. I want to get him back on. Just give me just a second. I, I apologize to everyone. Um, Phil, do we have you back on too? I'm, I'm on. Jeff, we I'm got on. you again, I believe. Yeah, we're back. I'm All right. Jeff, you were talking about we picked up with how much respect you had for these guys and their yeah. competitors. Yeah, they're, they're just, you know, as coaches, like I'm saying, the journey is is, uh, is the same. I mean, they don't – these guys don't start off on a Division One level. You know, they, they work their, their, their way up, you know, uh, from small college or graduate, being a graduate student or, or whatever. Um, they earn it. Absolutely. You know, so, so we respect each other. And off, off the field, we're friends. At, at, at scrimmages, we're friends. Um, you know, people are human. Some people are, are nice guys. Some people aren't. You know, and uh, same with officials. Yeah. Some guys are nice guys. Some guys aren't. So just you just deal with different personalities. But all in all, everybody's got respect for the game. Everybody loves college football. Everybody's trying to protect this game and make it better. Absolutely, Phil. You got to follow up, or yeah, Jeff. I want to ask you: When you're getting ready, how do you prepare mentally 
for the game coming up, say, on Saturday? Well, the first thing you do is you, you know, the game you just had, you've got to, you've got to, you know, review what you did. You're going to get graded on it. You're going to get busted for things. Um, you're going to do some good things. And you'll get recognized for those too. But you, if you do really do something, if you really mess up something, you, you've got to learn to move on. You've got to move on to the next game. Uh, you hear them talking about move on to the next the players. you got to next play, next play, next play. That's kind of the way we are. You cannot let your brain get in the fog and, and let two plays happen and you're still thinking about three plays back, you know. So you've got to keep moving. You've got to move forward. So that's usually done by Monday. Um, Monday, I'll start reviewing film for the teams that I have. I prepare for the two teams that we have. I put together a pregame for my crew. Um, we meet on, if we have a Saturday game, we'll, if we have a, we'll typically meet on Friday evening. And we usually meet for an hour and a half, two hours on Friday night. And we go over film of what the teams do, um, watch a lot of penalties, uh, what we called in the, the last week, uh, what we could do better uh, as far as not just judgment, not just calling penalties, but mechanically, you know, where we are on the field in certain situations. Uh, how did we manage the game? And my pregames, I spent a lot of time the last five or six years focusing on the end of the game, like the last two minutes of a game. Mm. That's when it's all – I mean, look at all these games now. They, they come down to the last – two seconds sometimes you know uh, so you'll have crews work 58 minutes of a great football game and get to the last two minutes of the game and everything's on the line and, and screw it up you know so that's I recognize that seeing good officials get themselves in situations like that and the way the rules have evolved over the last several years especially the clock rules the substitution rules I, re- uh, I, I realize that this segment of the game is a, uh, is a, is a, is a game within itself. So if you're mentally fatigued in the fourth quarter in the last two minutes, you, you better re-challenge yourself to get ready because this is when it's fixing to happen. And I think what people were in the past, they weren't ready for what hit them, you know, and people were tired, uh, want the game to be over and then all of a sudden they find themselves in a bad situation. So I actually start my pregames on Friday night with the end of the game. I'll, I'll find a game in the course of the week that ended on the last two, you know, last play of the game or the last minute of the game. And we'll review how that segment of the game was managed. How did you manage the clock? How did you manage the flow of the game? Um, in addition to that, you know, we'll break down the kicking game. We'll, we'll show some, I'll show some punting situations. Um, um, kick uh, goal line for sure. Um, controversial plays that happened during the week. 
and all this is this is my pregame. But also during the week, we've already got a training film from our boss. You know, they've already put out a training film of things we did good, things we should improve on. So we've watched a lot of film during the week. And to me, as far as getting prepared, there's no better way to prepare yourself for a football game than to watch film. I mean, that's what teams do. That's what we did, you know, in high school. I mean, yeah, I remember on Monday was my favorite day. That's when you know, defensive coordinator, you break down film. And I didn't play a lot, but uh, I remember watching eight millimeter film in a locker room. I, I was just like hooked. You know, that's that's what the teams do. They study film on each other. So that's what we do. Um, and there's no better way. And we're, we're watching what the teams do, but we're also breaking down what we do. So hey, Jeff, that's how you do it. That's- just um, while you're on that subject, you talked about the last two minutes of a game. How about yeah. going into halftime? That seems like chaos to manage. Same, same, same thing. Same principle. Because if you don't see, you know, if you don't see a hurry up at the end of the game, if you don't see a, a hurry up offense in the last two minutes of the game, you're probably going to see one at the end of the half, the first half. Because the game's not on the line at that point, but teams are always trying to score before the end of the half. And most of the time, they're out of timeouts. Or maybe they only have one remaining. So, and whether they're playing for a field goal or for or a touchdown, uh, usually they're trying to just score before yeah. the end of the half, right? Trying yeah. to get in position to, to score, whether it's three points or six. At the end of the game, it's all about how much time's left and how many points do they need to win. Yeah. So the strategy is a little different, but you're exactly right. You're going to see a hurry up offense at the end of the first half. Phil, uh, follow up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Randy kind of touched on halftime. Do you guys go into halftime? I know you take a break. You probably get you something to eat, something to drink. Do y'all do y'all make adjustments at halftime also? We review. Uh, we, we we review our files. And um, we, yeah, I mean, if there's something we feel like we need to talk about, um, uh, somebody's trying to get a message to us, a coach is trying to get a message to us or something, yeah, we we uh, we talk. Um, you know, you kind of take a temperature of the sidelines with each team, what's, you know, what's going on on each side. But uh, it's nothing, you don't really have a lot of time in there before you know it, you know, you're in and out of there. Um, but yeah, if there's something that needs to be said, um, usually if it's a game, if it's two teams that look that are playing well, the score's close, I'll review the overtime procedure at that point. Um, always challenging guys, even if we have a, a one-sided game, I'll always challenge them not to let down, you know, um, if it's 40 to nothing and three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, challenge yourself to not let down. That's right. when mistakes happen. But, yeah, we, we talk about, you know, what how, how is this game going? You know, if it's a game that's kind of 
nasty, you know, a lot of personal fouls. Teams don't like each other. Um, yeah, we're, we're constantly talking about let's stay on this, let's stay on this, uh, manage this game, manage this clock, keep communicating. I'm just kind of like a coach in there at halftime, you know. Um, so that, that's about, I think that's pretty much what everybody does to, because, you know, as a referee, you feel a lot, a lot of responsibility, and you are charged with that responsibility to manage that game. So, again, the better you prepare your crew, the better your life can be. So, well, you know, that kind of, that course sort of brings me to a question I wanted to ask you about. I mean, the goal is to make the game fair for both teams, but you also run into challenges where sometimes, and I was at a game, the Tennessee Ole Miss game that got out of hand, you know, a lot of times it's that's officials' job to keep control of that game because it can easily get out of hand, especially with the fans are involved. Yes. So, as far as what happens on the field with the players, what I am saying, and one thing we do in the pregame, let's be great dead ball officials. Let's diffuse situations, hopefully without throwing a flag, but be very aware about what's going on. Uh, knowing, you know, the week before what the two teams and what's riding on this game uh, has a lot to do with it, not as far as teams like fighting each other or anything, but the emotions are high, right? So especially around, like, say, week seven, week eight, there's some teams that are trying to get to nine, ten wins. they got a legit chance of doing it. That's a big deal. Other teams are fighting to get bowl eligible and don't have many games left to play, you know, to get there. Um, so you have to consider the emotions. But during the course of the game, yes, we're constantly diffusing and managing the emotions of the game with not just the players, but the sidelines to the coaches. That starts with good communication, um, having respect for each other, you know, showing that you have confidence in your abilities and that you that you can do your job, you can handle this. Um, that comes with time, though. You know, that's not getting earned immediately. But constantly uh, being officiating during the during the periods of time that the ball is not live, right? So between snaps, we are officiating. We're managing dead ball situations. Not letting um, a personal foul happen, not letting somebody get away with a cheap shot. You know, if you call, usually if you make start the game off, making the right calls, making quality calls, not calling marginal calls, letting these guys play ball, they're going, to get, they're going to respect you, and they're going to play ball. They're going to recognize that you know what you're doing. You're letting them play, and they'll play. And if you penalize them, they they know they did something that that deserves it, usually. But as far as, like, that situation you're talking about, you know, I mean, things can get out of hand. It happens. You see it somewhere around the country every year, and I don't know who can control that, you know. 
yeah, it just happens. You know, but I notice a lot of times I'll watch officials. I mean, some people come to the game just to yell at officials. I have to tell my wife sure. sometimes, I say, watch the game, watch the game, watch the game. Don't worry about that. If you're good enough, you're going to win anyway. But a lot of times you'll see two players kind of scrap, and you think, oh, that should have been a penalty there. A lot of times the official will walk up and walk in between them and have a word or two with each one of them to use the situation, and you don't have to call a penalty necessarily every time. Exactly. And that is deliberate. That's that's intentional. You know, we, we try to do that. But there are times that are uh, – if there are things we can break up, yeah, but there are times that it's mandatory. It's not a, it's not an option. Yeah, if they throw a punch or something like that, I mean, that's you've got to. Um, unfortunately, you know, you sometimes you, they always say it on TV. Well, they always miss the initial. You know, the guy that threw the first punch, they always get the guy that threw the second. Yeah, and I, I learned a lesson. Uh, Coach Al Grow, it used to be at Virginia. And, uh, you know, you'd get in a situation. I used to offset personal fouls. Guys would get into it, and, you know, if I thought it rose to the level of foul, I would offset it because I thought it was a great way to control the game. And it, it, it usually works. You know, the guys, was, you know, you offset them. They both get a foul, but they offset them. And he really got on to me about, you know, you really should just penalize the initial offender. If you penalize the initial offender, justice is served. And everybody accepts it because that was the right thing to do, you know. And I agree with that. So, yeah, if we can get the initial guy, it it does more to settle down emotions um, than offsetting, you know, um, because justice is served. That's fair. Good point. People, people, people tend to accept that. That's just what I've learned. So. Phil, anything else? Going to add? <clears throat> well, you know, it's just there's you know, so many things and so many, you know, because you know, because we we see the game, we're watching the football game. We don't watch the officials that much. I mean, you do. You they stand out when things go wrong, but uh, but you know. There's so much of a part of the game. I know, you know, like we talked about, y'all enjoy the game. And I know there's several of my friends uh, that are officials, and they love the game. I mean, they, you know, they go to watch these teams. They can tell you more about teams than we can uh, because they know the inside and outs. But, you know, I know you guys, you know, have a lot of fun on Saturdays, even though it is a stressful job. <laughs> and I get on to my, like I say, I get on to my wife and my sister-in-law said, Hey, watch the game, watch the game. <laughs> you know, I said, cause I said, you folks that thinks the officials decide the game, you got it all wrong. You don't understand how this goes. It's kind of comical sometimes, but I always like it when the officials are not noticed when they're not a part of the game. Absolutely. Well, that's a point. That's, that's another reason for the preparation. And one of the, my bullet points in my two-minute uh, two hurry-up uh, presentation is that fans, fan bases are so passionate about their teams, you know, that you owe them this to get ready for this game. The game deserves your preparation. You have to be ready for this game. And... 
Yeah, I mean, to me, if you're not prepared, it's disrespecting the game. Yeah, it's disrespecting teams. It's disrespecting fan bases because as fans, I mean, look at these people, what they put into going to a ball game. I mean, you know how much a parking spot is? (laughs) Not 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 even tickets. You know, but buying season tickets, um, parking, traveling. People travel all over the place, to, you know, to get to these games. The hours at hotels, you know, you can go into, like, some of the hotels in some of these cities, you know, $800 a night for a room, yep. you know. I mean, it's nuts with people. It's such an economy. It's such a business and, you know, where I come from in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I mean, you can imagine the economy of football down there. The people that are attached to, you know, that, that are, that depend on that, you know, seasonal income. And it's huge. So it's not just fans. There's so many people attached to the business of college football that are invested in it, that, that depend on it. And the only thing that can make it really great is have a great game, a good product. You know? Yeah. And yeah. we don't need a crew of officials screwing up an important game. That's yeah. That's what you're char- why you're charged to get yourself prepared, be in shape, be mentally prepared to go out and be mentally tough to go out and work these games. Yeah. And as point in my career, the age I am now, I, I you know, I don't mind saying I that's what I want. I want this game to survive. I want it to be pure. Um, you know, we're one thing that uh, that's, we are um, charged with doing is protecting the integrity of this game. I take that very seriously. That doesn't mean I'm going to go out and over-officiate. But I want it to be the great game that it's always been. You know, and when I retire from this, I want to leave it that way. Everything, every game that I've been involved with anyway. That's my goal. And I feel like, yes, I feel like I owe it to the fans and to anybody connected to the game. I want to get you one more comment. I know Randy wants to ask you about the rule changes and, you know, some of what they're about and what you think of them. But, you know, I I see all these rule changes and I know it's to try to speed the game up. But, you know, as a fan, when I'm sitting there in the stands, to me, what slows the game down is when y'all call a timeout and the official walks out on the field and has a clock there, and it says the break is four minutes and 34 seconds, say. You know, yeah. to me, that slows the game down because a lot of times you'll have a key turnover and the officials have to go to a media timeout. But that, by the time you get back from the commercial, the team that got the turnover has lost yeah. every bit of the momentum. You know, and yeah. to me, that hurts the game, not – whether you yeah. stop the clock on a first down or not. I got you. I understand. And we cover that. We meet before the game. We have this meeting called the 100-minute meeting, or some some conferences have the 105-minute meeting, like an hour and a half prior to kickoff. And you have, you have uh, team representatives. Uh, you have security. Um, EMS, um, I'm I'm in there. Replay officials are in there. The TV crew's in there. The producers are. And that is one of the topics that's covered is uh, TV timeouts. 
And, you know, usually it's like, well, we'll do three, four, three, four, meaning three in the first quarter, four in the second, three in the third, four in the fourth. Some networks do five, you know, each quarter. And, uh, yeah, no control of that. But one thing we do have a little control over is the momentum change, like you said. And what I always tell them, I, I just tell them, you take your time out whenever you want to. I don't care. It's your show. Y'all do the what? The only time I'll get involved is in a momentum situation. And that's exactly what you're talking about. There's mm-hmm. a, a good punt return deep into the, you know, the, the offensive territory or an interception, a key turnover. Now, position of the field has something to do with that. If there's a fumble recovery on the minus 20 yard line, you got 80 yards to go. That might be a time you can just take a timeout. If you recover a fumble at the plus 20, that's not a time to take a timeout. Very, very good. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, so we kind of draw the line. We kind of draw the line inside the 50, outside the 50, you know, whichever side of the 50 that this happens. But also just to point the game, you know. But they're pretty good, I'll have to say. They're pretty good at using the, their commercials. They're under a lot of pressure to get those commercials in. They like to get them in early in the quarter. And especially if they have a competitive game, they like to get those things used up so they can just let you play, you know, the last five minutes of the game. So but it happens, and it's frustrating. I, I get it. But you're right as far as speeding the game up. That is a goal. That is a goal. And they get, they get a lot of pressure from media to do that. You know, and, uh, you know, they compare us to the NFL all the time. But I'm going to tell you, NFL, I don't, I think they got like a 10-minute halftime. Mm. And I'm not exact. I think they average about a three-hour and 10-minute game, maybe. We average like 320, I think, maybe 317. We got 25-minute halftime. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've got four commercials that – Three, four, three, four, sometimes five. I mean, sometimes games go long. Sometimes they don't go that long. But I think we do pretty dog, doggone good as officials as far as ma- our part is managing the pace of the game. But, yeah, that expectation is set for us, though, and they're trying to find ways to uh, take. And it's not that it's a bad thing because with the hurry-up offense, what has happened is – we used to average anywhere from 150 to 170 plays a game. This hurry up offense now we're going 210. Yeah, you know, so player safety is the main concern. Uh, the overtime rules have been changed, you know, because you remember what was it? LSU, Texas was it Texas A&M, LSU? I think with seven overtime. Seven overtime. Yeah. Guys were laying on the ground exhausted, you know. And when you're fatigued like that, you're putting kids at risk for injury. You know, they're not trained to play that many snaps. And uh, it's, 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 it's dangerous in that respect. So that's one reason. Um, and I, actually, you're seeing more teams. I've been feeling this the last couple of years. These teams that just can't keep up with some of the bigger programs. They're actually slowing the game down here. They're actually going back to huddling up, you know, and taking, you know, time off the clock. Uh, kind of try to slow the game down. But uh, and that's, I think, the, that's, 
Go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I think that's the mm, three new rules that they place for the year is mm, exactly going to affect what you were talking about and cutting that game down to the 310 NFL. The one I was going to ask you about I think is huge. The clock does not stop unless in the last two minutes on a first down. That's going to cut a lot of time out of college football. Yeah, it'll be it, – it's a cultural change to me. Because <clears throat> college football has always done that, unlike the NFL. So – but I think, you know, if you notice during the course of a game – the time between when the player goes out of bounds and the time we start the clock, it's only a few seconds. You know, it's not long because we get the ball back and play pretty quickly. Uh, as you add up, you had 30 first downs per game. I mean, and there's three, four seconds between getting the ball. Yeah, that's that's significant time. You know, that's, a, that's over a minute. It's worth the time right there. That's a big deal. So and, I see the reasoning, you know, but, you know, I'm a, I'm also thinking about those fans who've driven 300 miles and right. spent all that money and they want to see a game, you know, they don't want to just, you know, fly by, you know. But, I mean, you know, we'll see. That's what – the rules committee is all about. They've researched it. Now, I'm going to tell you, these guys do their homework. They do their stats. And they know before they pass a rule, they put some thought into it. So, you know, and my my job is just to enforce it. And it'll, it'll be, I think it'll be okay. You know. Uh, yeah, I think it'll, it'll turn out to be better for the betterment of the game. I, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. I don't think they would put a rule in like that if they really thought it was going to, um, you know, hurt the game. So we'll see. We, you know, got to be open minded about it, roll with it, and uh, and just and if they want to change it in the future, they'll change it. You know, but right now, I, you know, we'll see. I think actually, it uh, they're giving us some guidelines on when to put the ball in play. So we're not just going to start the clock. I mean, we. We've got to get the ball down mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So hopefully we won't lose too much time. The other, Jeff, I think uh, fans will notice more than anything will be no more consecutive timeouts. And you think of this a lot of the end of a game situation where you're trying to ice a kicker or, you know, something that a kicker trying to make a big field go. You can only call one timeout in a row now, if I'm correct. That is correct. Each team, you can, you cannot, one team cannot call two consecutive timeouts back to back. And if you know, if you're if you're if you're the offense and you call timeout, you come out, line up the kick field goal, and then the defense wants to ice the kicker and calls timeout. Then the offense cannot call timeout again. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or the, or the defense cannot call timeout again. I kind of think everybody's okay with that rule. I mean, you're talking about slowing the game down. As a fan, that's that was one situation I wasn't a fan of. 
you know, was his, all these back to back to back timeouts and stuff, you know. I think it's I think it's fair and it's fine. Just two, two timeouts back to back, and chances are they may take a commercial too, you know, or something. So I mean, yeah, I think that's good. For, I, I personally think that's a good rule. Yeah, they've been, been talking about that for years. So, no more untimed downs if a, a penalty. Now, now correct me on this one, Jeff. If the penalty occurs in the first or third, there's no untimed down. Uh, untimed down. Well, yeah, we're not we're not going to extend the period anymore for a live ball foul. You know, if, if there was a penalty during a down in which the time expired during the first or third period, we would extend the period to one play. There's zeros on the clock, but we'd experience, we would extend the period to one play. When that play was over, then we would take the, we would change ends. We would end the quarter. Now, we're going to end the quarter and we're going to assess the penalty to start the second or the fourth quarter. I love that. I, I, I've never understood. Yeah I, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a common sense rule to me. Yeah, that, but that's been a rule forever. You know, yeah. And, you know, finally, yeah, it is. Now, a dead ball foul is different. That will be carried over. You know, that's not when you extend the period for anyway. That would be carried over to the next period regardless, you know. So, like, the end of the half. Right after the half, there was a dead ball personal foul. That would go to the kickoff in the second half, you know. Well, um, Jeff, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. No. I, Jeff, I, I, I have a question that's from our friend Frankie Culpepper again. Yeah. And, and and I'm intrigued by this one because I, I looked up, as I said, I Googled and saw some of your games. I intentionally watched some of your games. And um, you're in great shape. What do you do to maintain that to stay up with these young people? We're talking about shortening the I game, but you're three hours and 30 minutes now. <laughs> I got to see Frankie at the sports bar, okay? I spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, you know, let me tell you, as far as motivation, these younger officials coming up today, you know, I go to clinics and I see them and they're, they're very nice, very respectful. And they'll come up and they'll say, you know, Mr. Plains or something you said I could do better or something. I'm like, dude, you're in such good shape. You're so good looking. You're so smart. You're so well-spoken, you know. You make me look bad. You need to develop <laughs> <Yeah>. some flaws, man. <laughs> you know? So, so all I've got at this age, I'm hanging on. You know, but I want to give my guys on my league something to work towards. You know, uh, uh, you know, I get the questions occasionally. You know, how long are you going? And it's like, well, if I can still do it, if I look the part and can still think and, and manage a game, uh, some people never thought I ever could. But I mean. I, I try. I tell you, the biggest thing is just uh, diet, changing eating habits, and if nothing else, walk. Um, you know, and at this point, I've changed kind of training habits. I don't do like weight lifting so much. I do more weight resistance. 
no, I don't run as much. I jog and walk, jog and walk, you know, getting heart rate up, so I get heart rate. But you just need to find just something that works for you. And I honestly went to like YouTube for uh, exercise for people my, appropriate for my age, you know, and uh, I found exercises that work for me. And my, my goals are simple. I just want to, you know, keep the weight off and walk, be able to walk pain free, you know, uh, instead of, you know, having all these nagging injuries, hurting myself, you know, from training or something. But I, I just got a set of weights, things that I do in the weights room. I do, uh, like I said, some heart rate, you know, running and walk, jogging and walking and uh, watching what I eat, man. Sugar is the big thing. You know, you can stay away from sugar or keep it, you know, it's like everything else. It's moderation. Excellent. But, um, you know, I, that's it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of bad things happen when it comes to sugar. You know, that's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, Mark Martin in auto racing prolonged his career for a long time just yeah. by staying in shape. You know, of course, that's telling our age. But, you know, he prolonged his career for a long time. But, Jeff, I want to ask you something. In the ACC... Yeah. Who has the best atmosphere for a home game? Oh, God. You know, it goes from year to year. They're all – what I love about college football is that every campus has its own tradition, you know. It has its own culture. And, you know, some stadiums aren't as big as others, but they're just as passionate and it's just as much fun. And when a small team, say like Wake Forest, you know, when they're having success, and they have a stadium that's about 40,000, I think, maybe 50. And, you know, when they're playing good, I had I was there one night on a Thursday night, and they beat Clemson on a Thursday night ESPN game. I mean, that was one of the best atmospheres ever because that fan base was so excited that their team was, you know, winning. That's back when Coach Grove was there. Yeah. But let me just tell you, Florida State, you know, when they're playing good and they got that thing rolling, when they're playing Florida State and Miami at Tallahassee, that's a, that's a big-time atmosphere. Clemson, great fan base anytime they're playing. But whenever they're there and they've got a big game going on there, it, it's, a, it's, it's rocking there. Um, <clears throat> Miami, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're playing the pro stadium down there. They have some good fans, but they just – they don't have good attendance down yep. there. You know, unfortunately, I wish we could get that place, you know, filled up. Um, I think they have future plans, maybe trying to get a stadium on campus. You know, right now they have to <clears throat> drive up to Fort Lauderdale, I think. But uh, I remember um, Virginia Tech, man. Yeah. They played that Inner Sandman. Yeah. And, you know, man, that's, when that's, that's my favorite. Dude, when they're playing good, that place, that Virginia Tech fans are such a good fan base. They're so loyal. Uh, they love that football team. The campus is beautiful, and they support that team like crazy. It's, it's a great atmosphere. And I'm going to tell you, North Carolina, North Carolina State, um, you know, uh, I've been in the Syracuse and the Carabao, man, you uh, that place is rocking, you know. So I mean, all these 
these teams, a lot of it depends on if they're playing good and they have a chance to be bowl eligible or go beyond and uh, getting close to 10 wins or whatever. Man, it just brings the people. It brings the passion. And uh, <clears throat> so, every again, every every team, every university has its culture. It's always fun to watch that and always respect the passion that they have. Uh, we do Notre Dame, and we also do Army. And, uh, you know, the Notre Dame fans are, that is, are historically passionate and passionate fans. For their, you know, lots of passion for the teams and all the success they've had over the years. And uh, um, so, and it's always fun to go to Army um, um, for a game. Lots of respect from both, always teams that go in there and play. Good fans are always bringing people from everywhere in on that on those days. Uh, I enjoy going there too. So it's it's hard to say, but when there's a you know top ten teams playing on a Saturday night, wherever you are, it's it's on. You know, it's fun. You know, uh, I can't tell you how much we've enjoyed this, Jeff. We've got to get you back sometimes. Um, I love the insight as Phil and I are both uh, Tennessee fans and we go to Knoxville every weekend and just to hear that passion from the referee side, it get I've got chill bumps a couple of times you were talking. It's, it's wonderful that we have a referees and officials and, you know, that care that much about the game. And thank you for that. Well, well, thank you. I mean, that's, if that's anything's my role now is, you know, I'm in, going into the mentor stage here, you know, and that's one thing I try to get across is how much this game means to people. And, Absolutely. Uh, and how important it is to the economies of communities. And, uh, you know, yeah. And it's fun when you have success. When you do your good, good job, when you do your job, it's fun. Well, I'd love and to get you after a football great. season that you just had all those – yeah. journeys uh, get you maybe in january or something it'd be a lot of fun absolutely anytime anytime it'd be my pleasure well jeff uh, you know uh, you know it's, it's got to be a lot of fun and you know and me and randy wants to get toward this it's got to be fun to go to work doing what you do and then get to enjoy what you do it's not a job you get to enjoy uh the yeah. work you do i feel very fortunate every day when I wake up, that I'm still on a college, on a college staff, and uh, a lot of people would probably agree with that. Saying, "Yeah, you are lucky," <laughs> you know, based on your performance. But I do feel very fortunate to be part of such a, a great game and a great group of people. Um, a lot of people I, I, I friends uh, that I love and have made friends in this business, and um, no better people. No better people, no more professional and, and honest and good people in this business and hardworking. And you know, I feel proud to be among those those kind of people. So you know, we know it's relationships. You know, it's a radio that I've been in for years. It's relationships that will last a lifetime. Oh, you got it. That's the most meaningful thing. And and you know, if you can get from the teams and the players and the coaches if you get a little of their respect from them if you get some respect from them it makes it all you know because you have to earn that and it makes it so worthwhile well jeff we appreciate your time and 
Welcome back anytime. Phil, you got anything to close us out? No, I've enjoyed the show. Learned a lot about officiating. I kind of look at it a little different angle now. Yeah, you, you've educated us, Jeff. Thank you very much. Well, wish you luck, too, and thank you for doing this. And, um, yeah, I think it's great what y'all are doing. And, uh, yeah, I guess the, the, anything I wanted people to really know is that we do care. And, and I think I think people will know that now. And and I, again, thank you. we're gonna we're gonna hit you up again to come back. And thank you for your time. Anytime, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay. Jeff Flanagan, ACC official. We're gonna take a little break here on River City Media, and I'm gonna reset for our second guest here. Um, I, I feel is joining me back in. Phil, that was a great interview. I really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I think he was starting to really get comfortable and start, you know, sharing more stories. Because, you know, because kind of when you start out, you got to sort of, you know, I don't want to say anything to make nobody mad or step on anybody's toes. But, you know, because we're not going to do that to him. But I think it's more and more as he was able to share stories. I'd love to hear some of the stories uh, of happenings during ball games, especially things that are comical and funny. Because, you know good and well these coaches are full of one-liners. And, you know, and sometimes I guarantee official has a hard time keeping a straight face yeah. but with some of the things they hear. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have him for three hours. That was such a pleasure. Yeah. Um, but we will get him back. I promise everybody. I'm already, I've already texted him and uh, a date in January, Phil, so we can have him back. But, Phil, while we get our next guest lined up, I'm going to put us on commercial. We got some commercials to run. And you just hang with us and everybody hang with us a minute. And we'll be right back with Sam Evitz from Squatchy County. Chattanooga, when you call, we answer. Now, we're calling on you. Vote for Davis, Kessler & Davis as your best personal injury law firm at bestofchat.com. They get a long one going and I'll call Sam. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll work on trying to get us somebody next Monday from down here. There's several, but, but you know, football's starting, so. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I've got a long commercial on right now. I got a, I got another, I think I'm going to have another hookup. Uh, Bobby Beckett, he was a coach at Cedar Bluff. Well, he's at Faulkner now, college. A strong football team doesn't just happen by accident. It takes hard work and know-how, like knowing how to throw a football. The great taste and freshness of Golden Flake snack treats doesn't just happen either, like Golden Flake corn chips. It takes Golden Flake special blend of corn to give the Golden Flake corn chips their great tasting flavor.
and Golden Flakes fast delivery to make sure that corn chips are crunching fresh every time. Or take the Golden Flake cheese curl. They are just cheesy enough with a perfect crunch on every bite. Just as there's more than one way to throw a football, there's more than one way to satisfy a hungry appetite. That's why Golden Flake has a team of snack treats to make sure they have the snack treat that will satisfy you. Buy Golden Flake. And remember, the tie develops the know-how when it comes to football. But Golden Flake has the know-how when it comes to snack treats. I can't raise Sam, but we're back on the air. Maybe he'll call us in a second. But welcome back, everybody. Uh, our next guest, we had lined up. Maybe we'll have to call him back in a minute, Phil. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the rules um, that we were discussing with Jeff. And, uh, you know, the one that I really think is a common sense thing is the the no two timeouts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, it gets, you know, it kind of gets crazy when that happens. You don't understand, hey, they're going to ask him with a timeout here. Well, then just move on after that. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, we were you know, supposed to be. Fans are, yeah, because fans are tired and kids are tired. Absolutely. Yeah. We're supposed to be born. Uh, we'll try him back in a minute for uh, Swatch County uh, quarterback, Sam Evitz. But, Phil, we've got a lot of coming up with things we're going to do with Sequatchie County. And uh, one of the major things we're going to try to do is cover that jamboree that's coming up. I'm going to put it on the screen. Uh, that's going to be September the 11th at Sequatchie County, Sequatchie County, Whitwell, Howard, Grundy, Bledsoe County, and Ray County. Should be a heck of a night. Yeah, it's August 11th. I think August. you slipped a little further. August 11th. What did I say? Yeah. September? September, yeah. Well, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm old. Yeah. So, it's August the 11th, Phil. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I, I'm down here in Alabama, and I know, of course, I grew up in the Tennessee area, so I know a lot about those schools, know a lot about the, the area schools. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, maybe to get to meet some new people. Uh, of course, we've got media day starting next week down here. Uh, we don't have the scrimmages or the big, huge uh, jamboree that the state of Tennessee has. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see those. You know, it's kind of sort of a dress rehearsal type thing. You know, you want to get the kids out there, give them a little bit of experience and see how they react on stage. And that way you can go back and get ready for the rest of the football season. And I know the kids will be looking forward to it because it gets them away from practice for a little while. Yeah, I just got a text. Uh, our next guest, Sam.
you just joined the River City Media team. Yourself on QSB, we're trying to expand down into Alabama territory too. And also get some North Georgia folks on here. Uh, if you know somebody in North Georgia, let's get them on here and talk some football. Yeah, well, you know, there's one contact I got from a coach at Valley Head that, you know, a coach that might come on that's an assistant at Dade County uh, when we get to get a chance to get in touch with him. But with, there's several coaches that want to, you know, come on the show. But, you know, right now the football's starting, you got to sort of pick your, you know, pick your poison, so to speak, because they're tied up with workouts right now. And so we've got to try to, you know, get somebody worked in. Of course, we've got some, you know, kids that's maybe playing ball somewhere that we might can get right now, get dig a little bit deeper. But, yeah, we've, you know, northwest Georgia, uh, especially, you know, even over towards the Dalton area, you know, in places like that, you know, we want to try to get some people from trying places like that, Chattooga County. I know uh, I would want to try to get in touch with Coach Paul Ellis, uh, who is an assistant coach. I think he's the offensive coordinator at Chattooga County. Uh, so maybe try to get him on sometime because his son has just got an assistant job, an assistant football coach. He graduated from Jacksonville State and is an assistant now at uh, Valley Head. So it'd be nice to get Paul back on and you know and you know kind of catch up with what he's doing now and talk about about his son uh, who's now in coaching. Uh, you know, there's several ideas we've got. You know, it's a matter of, you know, getting them lined up when we can get them lined up because everybody is so busy after the fourth. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we thought Sam would be off the field by now, and of course he's not. It's, it's going to happen on live radio or podcast. And the thing about it, everybody be patient with us because we record live. If we were recording now, we could pause it and get Sam 15 minutes later. But we put out everything live, and then it goes to YouTube's. So we we've got to have everything together, um, and, and kind of do it like a radio format feel. Uh, before I let you go tonight, we'll wrap it up after such a great interview with Jeff Flanagan. Um, I wanted to go back to something to ask you about. Uh, he brought up a point, and you or I experienced it. Were uh, that Tennessee Ole Miss game, and and you brought it up in name, and he he he. he kind of dodged. I don't think he wanted to criticize the other officials, which I understand. And he probably didn't see the game like we did. But when the teams and the the, the team fighting gets out of control, and in this case, kind of some shenanigans, explain what you were talking about, how the ref kind of could have controlled that a little better. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't want him to, you know, actually um... – comment on it or anything like that i was just making reference to because most games you go to the officials keep control of the game but every once in a while they lose it and i was there that night when tennessee played old miss and of course you know when you read social media uh they were talking about how tennessee fans was throwing things on the field well that's true that's what happened and that's dangerous and it shouldn't happen but what led to that was what people don't know is the officials lost control of that football game. I mean, I sat there and watched it, you know, and you don't want to ever criticize officials, but when they lose control of a game, they deserve to be criticized. Now, if they make a bad call, it's going to happen. But you can't lose control of the game, and that's what I was upset about because what it led to, Ole Miss fans were throwing, and they were in the upper deck above our band. They were throwing stuff down onto the band. I saw it happen. 
you know, they were just chunking stuff down on the Tennessee's band. Well, then when a couple of bad calls happened, uh, the Tennessee fans, you know, that didn't because it didn't go that way, it didn't go their way, started throwing stuff down on the field. And part of that is because it was a game that lasted about four hours long. Yeah. So fans were frustrated. They were tired. The kids were tired. I know the officials was tired. But, you know, when the game got out of hand, it got ugly. And, you know, and everybody needed a smack in the face. Ole Miss folks, Tennessee folks. He, he he's going to do that type of thing, but that's dangerous. You know, that thing, that kind of thing should never happen. Well, Bill, um, uh, we're a little bit of a unicorn too. We, we, we go every weekend. And I, I think, I think the reason I do this, the reason I broadcast high school football, the reason I go to Knoxville every weekend is exactly the same passion we heard from Jeff. We love the game and our part of the game on Friday night might be in a booth, but on Saturday, I feel like my part in that game is to be in the in, in that section, make noise, be loud, and be part of the atmosphere, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, he was talking about how passionate fan bases are. You know, I've been to Auburn when the Eagle flies down from the upper deck onto midfield. That's one of the most amazing things you'll ever see. Toomer's Corner. Uh, when you go to Tuscaloosa and the band gathers at Denny Chimes and then plays – coming into the stadium it's just things that happen at universities it's just you step back and it don't matter who you're rooting for it's watching the traditions of these schools of what they do to prepare every saturday and all the fans expect all that they know what's coming when it's coming like at ut you're ready for smoke you run through the tea first and the players to come out you know, it's just you know, it's just something that's done week after week after week, and the fans get there early just to see all those things. Yeah, and and you know, we've learned over the years that we love the kids no matter what uniform they have on, but in those three and a half hours, we have a passion for me that dates back to Condridge Holloway in 1974, and it's a to me, it's the greatest game on earth because. You know, everybody can talk about the NFL, but when you get to college football, it's almost personal and it's almost regional. And it's almost like, hey, we're defending our turf here in East Tennessee or or, or, or Middle Alabama. It, it, it's it's really a different kind of passion for me. Yeah, definitely so. Of course, Conrad's Holloway, that's way before my time, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Yeah, because I, I can tell you this, Randy. The, I remember the first football game I went to in Knoxville was when uh, Stanley Morgan was playing at Tennessee and against Tulsa. It was ten to ten, and he returned a punt for a touchdown, and Tennessee won seventeen to ten. I think that was nineteen seventy five, maybe or six. But Connors Holloway was there at the time, uh, but that was the first game I ever saw, and of course I was hooked. My dad took me to that game. 
you know, I was hooked after that. You know, I still remember that game. And, of course, you know, as the passion grew, I, you know, turned into uh, listening to John Ward at a young age, and the passion grew to get into radio. And so I've been doing that for 31 years. And, uh, you know, it's a passion. It's fun. And I guess maybe that UT experience early uh, fed that and to be what I, you know, enjoy doing. Oh, I love it too. I mean, uh, you're you're currently on one of the most successful broadcasters in the state of Alabama, the WQSB scoreboard, which we were privileged to have Jeff Allen last week. And then uh, I am currently the voice of the Squatchie County Indians, and uh, I get to do that for one more year before my daughter goes to high school. And and I guess I I switched allegiances over to Hickson, but it, it it really is it really is a special thing. Friday night is special to me, Phil. Friday night has a different feel than Saturday, but it's still just as special. And, you know, salute those referees. Last year we had to, in Tennessee, we had to be playing on Thursday night a lot of times, uh, some of the smaller schools, so we could have enough referees to go around. And if you want to give back to the game, get into refereeing. It's, it is thankless, but it is rewarding, rewarding uh, experience. Yeah, good point. You know, I, I wish we could have, you know, kind of sort of throw that at Jeff and let him uh, publicize that too because, you know, it's like down here in Alabama, we have the same problem. You know, if you want to get involved in high school sports referee, you know, it's a lot of fun. They enjoy it. You know, these people stand on the sidelines and yells at the referees, hey, get out there and do it. And then you'll know what it's all about uh, because we need officiating. And it's not just football. It's all sports. We have so many sports now that there's a shortage in officials in everything from soccer to, you know, whatever it may be, because there's so many different sports. Now, it ain't just football, basketball, baseball anymore. I mean, there's all kinds of sports, and you can even get involved in a, in a lot of different ways of officiating. And like what you was talking about high school football, also, you know, that's what I like about our show. It's Friday night's high school football. That's all we talk about. Nothing else bleeds in. It's about the communities and kids. You know, and I always said that someday I would. I grew up in Chattanooga, so I said I always said that it's one of these days I'm going to go back to Chattanooga. Well, as I've settled in down here in Alabama, I really don't see myself going back and doing that, but it may be in a way of media-type stuff like what we're doing now is work back into Chattanooga that way. Uh, because I still have a passion for high school football in Chattanooga. I still keep up with your Red Banks and your – Udawas and your Macaulay's and Baylor's and all those schools that I was associated with, East Ridge for one. I've got family that lives in around the Tunnel Hill, Northwest Whitfield, uh, Cola Creek area. Uh, so, you know, the passion for high school sports will always be there for me. And so spreading out on this show is a wonderful thing. And I even, you know, even though we're in the Sequatchie Valley, you know, even when I lived in Chattanooga, I kept up with what was going on over there. You know, people going to a Tennessee football game, we spend our drive up exchanging scores usually because you're in Alabama and I'm in Tennessee. We usually spend at least half of that trip talking about who beat who in our respective states, you know. It, it, yeah, it, and keep, you're keeping each other up to date, who's going what playoff-wise and yeah. what their playoff scenario is and all that stuff. It's hard for me to keep up with all that part of it. I just, you know, the scores I'm able to keep up with, but that's about it. Well, I just want to apologize to everybody for not having Sam on. We'll get uh, Sam Evans from Squatch County. I'm sure we'll get that rescheduled. Uh, we got the 
August the 11th, we got the Jamboree coming up. We got a play date with or a scrimmage coming up with Red Bank. I believe y'all are in week zero this week in All-Star Week in Alabama, Phil. And then you come back and go live. And for all the people that listen to the Sylvania football show here on River City Media, we'll be back next week with uh, Coach Tyler Van and, and Phil, we're coming back. And then the week we're back, Wingfex is the next week, and that's always my sign football season's here. Yeah, and, of course, uh, you're talking about, you know, we got media days coming next week. Tuesday, we will be at uh, Etowah County, Thursday, Marshall County, Friday, DeKalb, Jackson County. And, of course, we don't put those on WQSB. They don't put them on live, but they streamline them, and you can go back, and if you just want to listen to Sylvania's, press conference you can go in and just listen to somebody you don't have to listen to everybody else's and that's a big thing down here in Alabama now these coaches really look forward to it they bring about four of their kids and you know it's a big time thing it kind of kicks off the start of preseason and and then of course like what you're talking about you know you got Tyler Van show coming back so that means you know Thursday maybe even Friday I think you may be thinking about coming down and covering the media days for Jackson and DeKalb County. Absolutely. I'm planning uh, on being there next yeah. week. And then, of course, you've got the Jamborees and all that coming up the following week. So it's here. It's almost here. We'll have week zero for high school football at the end of August. And, man, it hits full board for 15 weeks. You're all football. Yep, yep. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're going to cut it off, uh, finish it up for the night. But Phil uh, is on vacation. I thank you for joining us. Uh, Phil, next week, we'll, we, we're not sure what we're going to do yet, but I'm sure for the folks that are uh, joining us on this trip, we're going to have guests every week. There'll be somebody with us and, and join us on, mo- on Mondays. And, you know, Phil, it's going to become so special uh, Monday after a, a game week where you've called a game or you've been on the scoreboard and I've called a game and maybe we've been to a Tennessee game and, and we're going to have – all this information come together on this podcast. And I really think it's going to be a great uh, form of getting information out to, if you follow Auburn, we might, we might talk about the Auburn game. If you follow Georgia, we might talk about the Georgia game. If you follow Kusa Christian, you might hear them on here a little bit. If you follow Bledsoe County, you're going to hear some stuff about Bledsoe County. We're going to have a unique ability to bring people a lot of high school coverage and a lot of college coverage locally. Yeah, you, know, in, you know, including like Chattanooga and then the Northwest Georgia area too. So, you know, a lot of good football down in that area. Chrissy's got a cousin that, you know, starts at Gordon Lee. Uh, he'll be a junior this year. So, you know, there's uh, you know, a lot of folks around, a lot of interest around. And, you know, at any time, you know, and I think you've talked about this and we've talked about this both is keeping it local. You know, we want to, you know, keep the local kids involved in this. And, of course, you know, a lot of times, too, we want to find these kids that's gone on to college and come back and talk to us and tell us about their experience at the next level to inspire young people to follow in their footsteps. Absolutely. And we're going to have some of the smaller schools in the area. You know, I would love to get some players from Maryville College that's played in the area. I'd love to get some players from, uh, you know, uh, Jack State at some point or – or, or one of the small schools. And, you know, I, I love Chattanooga football. I'm sure that's going to be a running topic with here, on here. 
Yeah, definitely so. Yeah, because you know, because uh, Chattanooga's you know one of the few, you know, the playoff series teams around here. Now Jacksonville State is now Conference USA, so they've built up to bigger to bigger things. But uh, that's going to be exciting for football down here in Northeast Alabama is Jacksonville State getting into that bowl uh, series. You know, and they're going to have some good folks come in. I know they signed a home and home with Southern Mississippi. And so they're going to have several games on that is going to be during the week, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think uh, people are planning to go down and see them during the week because they're going to be on TV, but it's going to be at home against quality opponents. So, yeah, anybody around the area, we want to try to touch on. Well, you know, because there's a lot there's a lot of interest. And they don't get the big media coverage like the SEC does. You know, and we've had more contact with Georgia Tech than any college around. And, it's amazing, you know, Georgia Tech's a major university in Atlanta, uh, but but they may not have the same media coverage that 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 Tennessee or Auburn does. And it's, you know, we've had CP3 on here several times, and it's great to hear a young man with great success, uh, freshman All-American Phil, that grew up in the Atlanta area that just happens to play at Georgia Tech. So it's a great story to have. Uh, definitely so, yeah, because yes, they don't, unless they're just winning, they don't get much notoriety. They kind of sort of get pushed to the side. You know, they're little brother to University of Georgia, naturally. But Georgia Tech's got a rich football tradition and has for years. It's just they're now over in the ACC, and you just don't hear as much about them as you did when they were playing SEC schools. And, and yet they they – Really turned it around last year. Went from a three and nine season to five and seven. Played for a bowl at the end of the year. Come up short. So it's it's another. It's my favorite ACC school. I mean, I've uh, on my TV. There's two teams set to record: Georgia Tech and Tennessee. But we could talk all night about college football. Phil, why don't you get on vacation with your lovely wife and enjoy yourself? Yeah, we will, and we'll look forward to next week, and we'll do it all again. Uh, For Randy Cunningham and for Phil Harris, this is Beyond the Booth. Thank you for joining us.